Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Perkins Platform. Uh, This is a monthly solutions-oriented talk radio show. Uh, Each month, uh, we dedicate about 30 minutes to explore contemporary issues and solutions in education leadership, and this is your host, Brian Perkins. Uh, This month, our guests are Dr. James Comer, um, who is the Maurice Falk Professor of Child Psychiatry at the Yale School of Medicine, and Ms. Patricia Toney, who is the principal of the South Side Early Childhood Center um, in South Carolina. So I'd like to take this moment to welcome both of you. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, To our faithful listeners, welcome back. Um, Thank you for being part of our family of over 5,000 listeners every month. Uh, And to our new listeners, we're glad to have you and glad that you decided to join us. Um, Today uh, we're going to discuss the Yale School Development Program uh, in uh, New Haven, Connecticut. Um, and um, we have um, only 30 minutes, so I'm just going to jump right in. Um, I'm really excited um, to have uh, Dr. Comer and uh, Tony with us uh, as a part of the series that we're doing on um, school uh, intervention programs and strategies uh, to help improve uh, both uh, community engagement, uh, uh, academic achievement, and other areas um, in, in the school, um, uh, schools and districts. And so, um, Dr. Comer, I'm going to start by um, asking you to tell us a little bit, um, uh, not just about the program, but, um, you know, just from a historical perspective, um, I'm aware that you um, started the program back in the 1960s um, in New Haven, Connecticut, um, but um, one of the things that I'd like you to share with the listeners, um, given the context of what was happening in, in, in schools, not just in New Haven, but around the country with uh, the social structure changing, uh, individuals, both uh, two parents going to work and all kinds of economic change going on, I'd like you to tell us a little bit about um, what was going on then that made you realize that this would be uh, would end up in, uh, being your life's work um, uh, in schools, um, and how that shifted, if it has, uh, to what's going on in in our society today uh, relative to education. Tell us a little bit about the evolution, if you will, of the the school development program. Well, while there's been a breakdown in family that has increased. Uh, there were problems when I started in the 60s. Uh, my best friends, who were just as smart as me, my brothers and sisters, uh, and uh, yet they did not do as well in school. And so that question is what led me into uh, psychiatry, child psychiatry, work in schools, and to see if we couldn't make a difference for those kids. And that led to a focus on supporting the development of children because I realized that was the only difference between uh, me and my friends. And so 
that's been the focus of the program for all these years. And uh, we've been in over a thousand schools and currently uh, the work in South Carolina is uh, an extension continuation of that work at the local level. But also we're focusing on policy because I'm convinced that unless we can get teachers and administrators to think child and adolescent development and support for it rather than control and punishment, uh, we're not going to address this problem very well. Sure, sure. So you, you mentioned breakdown of family occurred. Tell me more about that. Tell me what, what exactly was well, that's happening. Lar that's largely economic, uh, the mm -hmm. fact that the agricultural uh, society uh, moved on and the industrial society moved on and uh, we now have uh, families that can't earn a living uh, because without an education to fit into the uh, economy of today and tomorrow. And that's been the major cause of breakdown in family. But we, we haven't addressed that. And then we haven't we turned around and we haven't addressed schools so that the issues in schools, the way they play out with families that are not – able to help their kids because of this economic stress they're under, uh, then we have teachers and administrators not being prepared to think child and adolescent development. Uh, that only compounds the problem. Sure, sure. And so um, you, you mentioned that you're convinced that you, you, you're doing more uh, in the policy arena um, would, is going to strengthen that. Um, um, what do you anticipate happening? Are you, are you saying that uh, you, you're trying to reach more state legislature uh, members, or is this more a local policy issue? Well, it's, it's more local, but I, the, the hope is that you can start local and then eventually have uh, national influence, just as our original program started local and eventually had national uh, influence. So... You, but but the important thing is to get schools of education to think differently and work differently. It's not the teacher's fault or administrator's fault that the, the thinking of child and adolescent development is not there. It's because they're not trained to think about it. And unless many have it intuitively, you know, like, Ms. Tony, I was telling her, I, I observed her program when we first went down, and you could see that there was an intuitive understanding of why you had to support the development of children. But we can't depend on the intuitive. You have to have the training for most people to be able to think child and adolescent development and less mm -hmm. punishment and control and more support for development and helping children make good decisions would lead to fewer behavior problems, would make them more available for academic learning and preparation for school and life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, one of the things that I'm aware of um, that I think is, is um, a very important aspect of the work you do, and I think it's been a tremendous contribution to the field, is the way you have thought about child development and adolescent development along your 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 six uh, developmental pathways, um, and, and so um, and Ms. Um, class, Ms. Tony School is a perfect example of that. You should just see. Yes, yeah, yeah, So yeah, that's good. And and so Ms. Tony, could you tell us a little bit about how your school has implemented those that the the notion of the six developmental pathways 
as an approach to uh, educating the children there? Well, when we first started with the program, this is our third year of implementation, um, we looked at the pathways, and because we are an early childhood center, we already thought we knew a lot about childhood development. But going through this program helped us to refocus on that aspect, on the six developmental pathways in every aspect of the child's well-being. And so we started out as a faculty as we went through the year and, and looked at each of the um, pathways. Then we decided, okay, what can we do? Um, first, we had to educate our parents on what, what the pathways were. And then we started doing things here at the school to address those issues. When I have a child come to me because of uh, discipline problems, then we look at those pathways and decide, okay, where is this child weak? What do we need to strengthen here? And um, when we look at our students with our um, response to intervention, which we call um, Triple ST team, we look at those developmental pathways more seriously now and say, okay, well, this is an area, what's the physical aspect? Is he getting enough rest? Um, what's his, um, can he see, can he hear well? So we are, are, are looking at it more in depth now, I think, because of this process. There's more conversations about those pathways than ever before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure, and, sure. And, and I think our teachers and, and, and I myself are thinking differently now about children and some of the problems that they come to us with. And, and, and really it's something that can be solved easily when we look at it from a developmental aspect. Yes, yes, and so, uh, uh, I'm sorry, are you still there? Yeah. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay, sorry, and you had cut out just for a moment. Yes, so um, just as a follow-up to that, um, I know that some of our listeners may not be aware of these pathways, so I just want to say what those are. Um, um, physical pathway, cognitive language, um, social, ethical, and psychological pathway. Um what exactly, so how, how, I should ask, how does that um, translate in the classroom or in your school, the way your school operates? If you're looking at these pathways, um, you know, what, what's different than what we would expect um, in, say, your average school? Well, one of the things that we did here at Southside is we looked at and we tried to, as we were, the teachers were really learning it, we had to decide, okay, which one we're going to focus on first. And we all, mm-hmm. consensus is, okay, we're going to look at the physical. And that was really an interesting exercise because everyone had their own take on what was more important. So once we reached consensus, we decided, okay, we're going to focus on the physical aspect because most of our children are four- and five-year-olds. And if they don't get enough rest, and we found that a lot of parents don't understand the need for their little ones to have eight or more hours of sleep, believe it or not. So when we started focusing on that and educating our parents, they need to get more sleep. Um, They need to eat more um, nutritious food. So we have worked with our um, food service here at school. We serve um, fresh fruit and vegetables um, for snack time during the day. And so we had to rethink all of that and realized what was important. And so uh, we talked about the importance of water 
and, and, and how that helps to hydrate mm-hmm. the brain. So we have parents that actually bring cases of bottled water to school for their wow. for wow. classrooms to drink throughout the day. Yeah. Or, you know, we sure. have the water fountain, but now they know that they can have a bottle of water when, while they're working. So those kinds of things have really made an impact on our students. And so we move from the um, – because, you know, everyone always talk about the cognitive. They always say, oh, my child knows this, knows that, but there's other aspects of child growth and development, and that's one of the things that we as educators here at Southside had to get our parents to understand, and we had to make a, um, a concerted effort to to place emphasis on that. And so we started implementing those things in our daily lessons. Um, every morning um, doing morning announcements, we have what we call our physical pathway time, and we will play uh, an exercise um, CD over the intercom, mm-hmm. and everyone does physical pathway exercise for um, two to three minutes every morning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and teachers, too, I say we have to model what we want our students to do. Sure, and, um, sure. And so um, those kinds of things, and then when we looked at the language and how important language is, and especially at this age, um, educating our parents, and our teachers are understanding that and making our students speak in complete sentences when they're talking and, and just really focusing on that because, you know, some and I'm guilty of kids coming up and they answer, yeah, no, you know, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, those manners and things that are so very important. And I, I yes. observed, I observed uh, children making statements and then teachers would ask them to uh enlarge on that or explain what they meant and, or, and help them think and reason. Uh, all of those uh, interactions are very important, uh, n- not only in being able to express yourself, but those interactions help improve the development of the, of, of the brain and the mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and um, Ms. Tony, you, you mentioned um, how you – uh, reached out to parents and and actually let them know, uh, give them some uh, some training and information about um, what you were doing and how these pathways are important. With the uh, bottled water example, um, which is a good opportunity for us to talk a little bit about the structures. And I remember uh, from some years ago um, that the, the 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 developmental process so is also focused from an organizational side um, um, to address the school needs. Um, Dr. Coleman, could you tell us a little bit about um, the organizational structures that are in place that support that work that, uh, of the developmental pathways? Well, the uh, school planning and man- management team uh, works together as representative parents, teachers, administrators, all the adult stakeholders, and they plan the comprehensive school program that's both social and uh, and, and academic and uh, there is assessment and and adjustment uh, as necessary and there are a set of guidelines that uh, really create a culture that uh, supports the school uh, those are three guidelines uh, no fault the decision making making and uh consensus uh, agreement on on 
on how to address problems based on what's good for children, and then cooperation, collaboration uh, among staff and among everybody. All of mm-hmm. that create helps create a, a, a good culture uh, in the school. Uh, so the com and then the operations that they carry out. Um, but those are the structures. There the, are the nine structures or nine elements that make up the structures that help to create a culture that allows all the adults then to focus on supporting the development of children along the critical developmental pathways. Yes, once yes. You do, um, once you do that, you can integrate development and learning in a way that makes it possible for children to learn at a higher level. Sure, sure. And so, Ms. Tony, I assume you also have this um, school planning and management team. Um, how does that work in your school? Is, how, is it, uh, um, how has that been uh, as an experience for your staff and, and, and community members? It's been wonderful. Now, the first year it was really um, <laughs> interesting trying to, first of all, as principal, give up some authority <laughs> and know that I don't have to make all decisions and um, and then also getting my teachers to understand that, you know, we're no fault consensus and, and we're going to collaborate and we're going to make um, decisions in the best interest of, of um, students. And so once we and so we're much better at it now. Um, you know, at one point the teachers would say, "Oh God, Miss Tony, you just make decisions. We don't want that task." But I think they appreciate the fact that they all have input and everyone is heard, and um, and that um, when the decision is made, we can all support it. And sure, we've sure. implemented some things here at school that I probably would have never thought of as, you know, as the administrator, that has been wonderful things, just uh, allowing our professional development team to decide on what professional developments we're going to do for teachers as well as as for parents has been wonderful. They've come up with some really great um, activities and stuff. So, so it's been refreshing, and it's taken a lot of the pressure off of me, per se, and sure, um, sure. sharing that leadership. Right, and I and I was just I was thinking the same thing when Dr. Comer mentioned no fault consensus. So you by sharing um, in the decision making, you you share in the responsibility, um, and you know because it's easy for it. And human nature is that you know we we often look for someone to blame when things uh, don't go as expected. But in this case, it really is a shared responsibility to make decisions, and so it's it's. If it's anyone's fault, it's everyone's fault. So it's not, it's, and it's not really about uh, assigning blame one place or another. It's making decisions that are in the best interest of of the children who are in the school. So um, I, I definitely see the uh, the utility there. Um, to our um, guests that have just joined us, you've uh, reached the uh, Perkins platform and. Um, we have our guests today here, Dr. James Comer from the Yale Child Studies Center and Ms. Patricia Toney uh, from uh, the uh, Southside Early Childhood Center in South Carolina. Um, and we're going to open our lines up if we have any callers with any questions or comments. Um, the call-in number 347-826-9029. Again, 347-826-9029. Uh, feel free to call in with your comments or questions. 
Um, and I want to go back to uh, Ms. Tony. So you, you described um, quite uh, candidly that uh, it took you uh, at least a moment to really realize that you didn't have to make all the decisions, um, which is a great segue into my uh, the next question I had for you was, um, how do you feel being uh, a part of the um, school development program, uh, the COMA process, um, how that has influenced you as a leader? Um, what has it done for your leadership style? I I think I am more, um, I've always felt like I was um, collaborative, you know, collaborate with others well. Um, but I learned that I would <laughs> if, if it went my way. <laughs> so I had to really, and I'm telling you, I had to really say, okay, we'll try it. You know, okay, you know, and it, it, the decision wasn't just totally mine. And so it took a while. <laughs> but but I, I'm telling you, now I realize this, the stress level is not there. And really empowering my teachers and helping to develop leaders has been wonderful. Just to see the growth in them um, really makes me happy that um, I was able to do that. And and, sure. and just to sit and, and when we make the decision and the structures there, how we, we can get a lot more done because we don't have to spend time going all, you know, we have a time set and we, we meet. and. Mm-hmm. Um, the teachers, one of the, um, whoever is the chairperson, they lead the meeting. So that means I'm not always, I'm not one always in charge. Now there's certain things that you know, as the administrator, I'm bound to. Okay, you know, I got to make this decision. Mm-hmm. But um, but things that, and we've gotten a lot done here at school that probably me as a principal would not have been able to accomplish alone. Mm-hmm. Like we had some. Um, some mobile units here at school that needed some handicap ramps. And, you know, the district would say, you know, it's not in your budget and that and this and that. But when the SPMT got involved and, you know, you have parents and community members as well on this team, we were able to get it accomplished. And I'm like, wow, I like this. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Yeah. Sure, it's a, and, and it's, a, it's a whole community responsibility, which I think, you know, from based on my personal knowledge of the program and um, anything you read about it, um, including the um, the the books that have been written, the many books that have been written about the process and and the program, uh, that it it really has a strong community component. Um, okay. I, I've, uh, Dr. Comer and I have spoken many occasions about. Um, as he referred to, that also the breakdown of family and the breakdown of community. Um, and so um, tell us a little bit, uh, Ms. Sonny, about, so do you feel that this um, this process helped galvanize the community in some ways? Um, you know, sometimes communities need something to, to, to be on the same page about. Um, do you feel that your... Your, your the school efforts have helped to bring people together to work together. It has, and I can say because as a school leader, we have been we had put more effort into bringing the community in, and and that's important. And so we have um, community members that are coming in and mentoring our students, 
which has been wonderful because we put more effort towards that. Before, we had always said, oh, we wish the community to come in, but we were never really diligent about getting them to come in. And so that has helped us. And um, and getting the parents involved and, and having this parent team has really allowed um, our school to have more parents and the community members involved because they, although um, – Parents on the team have students at the school. They may know someone in the community that that they have a relationship with that they can get to come do things here at the school mm-hmm. that we wouldn't necessarily know, and they were able to get that to happen. So that part is really wonderful. And that was the uh, that was the mothers and and uh, sons night that yes. I was there. For. Yes, sir. I, it was just a very warm and. Uh, Exciting uh, evening they had, and you can just see how that generates the desire on the part of parents to be involved. Can you, can you describe that just a little bit? Yes, sir. Um, it, actually, that came from a parenting meeting. That was a suggestion from my parents, um, um, because you always hear about the mother, I um, mean, the father-daughter dance during Valentine. Yeah. Most organizations. Mm-hmm. And so some of our mothers were like, well, why can't we have anything for mothers and sons? And so we said, yeah, we can do this. We can have a mother-son dance. And they dress up and they come out. And, you know, we talk to our boys about how you, what the manners you are to use you went with your mother and opening the door and stuff. And so they really have a great time. So that's, this is our second year doing it, and our parents and our students have really, really uh, enjoyed that process. Wow, wow, that's wonderful. So just out of curiosity, um, how did you hear about the um, the program itself and, and make the decision uh, to to implement it in your school? This was um, a part of a community um, project called Pulse through our Sunoco um, School Foundation. And our superintendent called me up one Friday and said she wanted to meet with me and three of my colleagues and she said, um, we have an opportunity for um, um, the Comer School Development Program, and would you be interested? And I'm like, yeah, I knew a little bit about it. I'm like, yeah, I would like to learn more about it. And so when we went to Yale that summer for about a week, I think it was, and um, we learned more about it, I'm like, okay, I can see how this could fit into my school. And um, so we hit the ground running. We, we we made some plans while we were there because one of my teachers went with me. And um, we came back to the faculty and, and we shared some ideas and what it was all about. And we decided to do some things differently. We wanted more parents to be involved and we wanted to find a way to um, inform our parents about this program. So we decided to think out of the box and open our school year differently than we had in the past. We decided instead of having open house during the week when we normally do during the first doing registration, we would have open house on a Sunday afternoon. We were I wrote my parents a letter and we said, okay, we're gonna have parent we're gonna have open house on a Sunday afternoon. Please come out after lunch after church and meet your teacher to visit. No school, you know, we're not. I don't want you to pass out paperwork. Just come and visit. It was awesome because you had not only moms but dads because oftentimes during the weekdays the parents are working. And you had whole families. You had grandparents. You had uncles and aunts. Everybody came out that Sunday afternoon 
And so um, we said, wow, this is great. And so, um, and also we decided that we would, we always did a staggered schedule where we had the boys would come one day and the girls would come the next day so we could have smaller sizes and we could talk about routines and procedures. This time we asked that each child come to school the first day with a parent to stay the school day. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, if they couldn't, that's fine, but we wanted every child, if a parent couldn't come, send someone significant in that child's life. And so what we did, they came in, um, the teachers went over their routine, and then we took all of the parents that were here to the cafeteria, and we talked to them about the school development program and what it was all about and the six developmental pathways. And we informed them that we would be sending information home throughout the year. We're going to focus on certain pathways. We're going to have workshops. So that's how we started this process. And and uh, I'm telling you, it, it's gotten even better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as, 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 that's wonderful. wonderful. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds uh, wonderful, and it sounds like um, it's definitely a great experience that you've had. Um, not unlike uh, many that I've heard um, that have uh, engaged with the uh, the staff at the Child Study Center. I know um, uh, with Dr. Comer's project, um, and it's, it's been a long history of of practitioners uh, assisting, uh, providing technical assistance in districts. And um, yes. and so um, I think that has been um, the hallmark of success there. Um, and also to the listeners, um, if you have not seen uh, um, the on our website, uh, we have provided a link um, for the school development program, and you'll be able to read more about Dr. Comer. Um, and uh, you have to be sure to check out some of his books. Um, amazing reads. I've read each and every one of them. Um, and so I, I wholeheartedly recommend those. Um, and so I want to take this moment before we wrap up here uh, to thank both of you again for being on the show um, and to let our audience know that uh, we'll be back next month on April 23rd at 2 p.m., where we have, um, as a guest, Dr. Warren Simmons, who is the Executive Director of the Annenberg Institute for School Reform um, at Brown University, uh, continuing on with our series on school um, improvement uh, initiatives. And so um, I am delighted that we were able to have talk as, as brief as it was, 30 minutes goes really quickly, um, but it is, it is um, always a pleasure um, to um, talk to you, Dr. Comer. And uh, Ms. Tony, uh, if I'm ever in South Carolina, we're, we're going to also put a link uh, for our listeners to your school on the website. But if I'm ever in your neck of the woods uh, in South Carolina, I, I hope I can stop by and, and, and see the great things that are going on um, at, your, at your school. So uh, thanks again. Uh, for being on the show, and uh, to the audience, uh, till next time, go well, stay well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? 
Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over the limit by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.